Hello and welcome to Lexi's Healthy Dynamic Life. I am Lexi and on today's episode, I am so super excited to be interviewing Lissa from Raw Food Romance. She is a spectacular woman, an amazing influencer in the world of raw foods. She's spoken at festivals and events worldwide. Welcome, Lissa. Ah, thank you so much for asking me to be on your podcast. This is awesome. I love it. Woohoo! So <laughs> go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, there's a lot. <laughs> Let's see, where can I start? I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So I was there for 38 years, 39 almost. And I moved recently here to Oregon, United States to marry the love of my life. And that's a whole story on its own, but <laughs> I've been raw vegan for almost six years. I'll be six years in September, 2020. And I've tried a raw vegan diet for 10 years before I actually committed to it fully. So I learned about it in 2004 when I was working at a health food store. And I finally committed fully to it in 2014 because I tried countless times to do a raw vegan diet, but it was always calorie restrictive because I always wanted to restrict my calories to lose weight. And I was eating all these fats, even though I thought they were healthy. Of course they are healthy, but I was eating too many of them, right? Like, you know, over 30% of my calories from fats and I'm eating a lot of protein and very low calorie, but I could never sustain the raw diet long-term. And I always thought that the berries and the fruit that I would eat, which was very little back then was, causing my sugar crashes when in reality it was the fats that I was eating. So it was a really long journey, those 10 years where I had to learn how to do this properly and sustainably. So I wasn't restricting and all of that stuff. So I was in the natural health industry since 2001, learning about supplements and coaching people. And I was worked in shipping receiving as well. So that went on until about 2012 ish, where I quit to become a full-time photographer. So that was my deal. I, I was doing photography since 2008, but I went full-time in 2012 and yeah, it's just, it's been a worldwide, a whirlwind of stuff in the last two years since meeting Nate. And he's a fellow raw vegan who actually was inspired by my recipe book. He went raw. And then we got together because we did an interview <laughs> for my YouTube channel and we totally fell hardcore in love. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I'm just so blessed to have him in my life. It's amazing. He's wonderful. And I love that we eat the same. We have the same ideas about stuff and he's so much fun. And yeah, it's been just such an adventure. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. And you touched a little bit about a lot of things. <laughs> you got into raw foods, having already been in the natural health food industry for a while. What led you to be interested in or to try raw foods? Well, first off, I, in about 2004, uh, when I was working at the health food store, on the weekends, there would be this older lady who would come in and we would just talk because it would be really slow, not very many customers. And we would talk about all kinds of things. And she brought me the Professor Arnold Eretz Mucusless Diet Healing System, which was my first introduction to raw food. And I didn't read the whole thing because 
at that time I was 24 and I didn't really jive with the lingo and the language that he used. And I was like, ah, but I really resonated with the idea of eating raw plant foods and mucusless foods, right? So that was my first introduction. And then about two years later, that was when the un Giuliano's Uncookbook came out around there. I would say, I don't know the years exactly, but it was around there. David Wolf had his Sun Food Diet Success System book that came out. And those two really made me really want to be raw. So I tried doing raw, but I was doing, again, high fat and calorie restrictive. I felt good because I wasn't eating junk and I wasn't eating animal products, but I didn't have that vegan connection. Like I only did raw or I only did vegan because raw kind of came with the name, right? It was like, oh, you're raw vegan? Okay. But I didn't understand fully the vegan connection yet. I knew why people were vegan and stuff, but I didn't really have that, you know, those last points in your system that were like, yep, I'm vegan. So I would do that in 2006. I would try and I would go, I think the longest I went was about two months before I went to Italy for a holiday and I had to wean myself off because I wanted to eat all the food that was in Italy, right? <laughs> I was like, I want the prosciutto and the pasta and the ice cream and everything. So I weaned myself off raw and then I was never able to get back to it properly after that. I had like way too much fat running through my system and I had gained weight on that holiday. So I was like, I want to lose weight again. And I was always weight loss focused. So, and then I found like Marcus Rothkranz and Chris Kendall and Fully Raw Christina was one of my original inspirations as well. So that went on for 10 years. I would try raw for like two or three days. I would fall off and then I would get back on. And then the in-laws were eating pasta and they'd be like, here, come on, have a little bit. Ah, oh, it's like, you know, you're like, you're losing weight. You're going to die. <laughs> so I would fall back and like, yeah, on average, it would be one to five days, maybe a week that I would be raw and then I'd fall back. And then in my old journals, I'd say stuff like, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll be raw, but I still want to eat animal products. I still want to eat out and stuff. Like it wasn't sustainable. I was always like wishy-washy all over the place. And then I did keto diets. I did Weston A. Price. I did a raw food diet where I was eating raw animal products for a couple times in there. Like I was doing all kinds of stuff, but I never did like the whole food, plant-based, cooked vegan, high raw thing. I never did that because every time I wanted to do a vegan diet, it was always a raw vegan diet. So I never did any of the cooked food, food thing. And then in 2014, that was when it was like, that's it. I had done a keto diet for two months and it was like 800 to 1200 calories, sometimes 1500 calories. And I was in a competition at the gym and my personal trainer had me on this thing. And she sent me home because I had no energy because like I felt better because I wasn't eating junk food. But after the, that two months, I binged like crazy. I was eating the worst stuff ever, <laughs> like bag of Doritos for breakfast, Chinese food for lunch or chicken fingers and fries. And yeah, it was just candy bars and two energy drinks a day, coffees, alcohol. I was drinking alcohol every day, just really, really horrible. Like I would wake up every night with uh, heart palpitations in the middle of the night and it would feel like I was having a heart attack. That one night, it was September 12th. That morning I woke up and I was like, that's it, I'm going raw again. And my ex at the time was like, okay, sure, right? Because like, I will only do it for like two days. So he was just humoring me for the hundredth time. And I was like, no, I'm serious. This time I'm doing it because I was almost 200 pounds. I had a face covered in acne, like horrible and inflamed. 
my mood swings were all over the place. My digestion sucked. I hadn't had a period in months and my joints were inflamed and they hurt so bad. I was always tired. Like you name it. I just didn't enjoy my life, but I enjoyed the food I was eating. <laughs> right. But I didn't enjoy my actual life. So I decided to go raw that day, September 12th, 2014. I was watching, binge watching Fully Raw Christina and, you know, Tanny Rod, Jack Albrighton, Chris Kendall. Like I found all of them eventually back as well. I was getting inspired by some of my old things that I was inspired by. And then in the comment section of one of Christina's videos, someone mentioned uh, to watch Cowspiracy, Earthlings, and Forks Over Knives. So I was like, all right, documentaries up. So I sit down and I watch all three of those back to back. And then that's when it clicked. That's when I was like, I'm vegan. Doesn't matter what, I'm vegan now. I'm vegan for life. So that's when I became vegan and obviously default back to raw because that's what I always defaulted to. And it just stuck this time. I joined some forums on Facebook and everybody was like, make sure you eat enough. Make sure you eat enough. You got to eat enough. So at that point I was like, okay, I got to make sure I eat enough. And I never, ever tried the low fat version. So this time I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a try because I was so scared to eat low fat because I was indoctrinated in the natural health industry that we need fish oils and coconut oil and flax oil and all these oils. Eat more healthy fat to lose fat, right? So I was scared to eat low fat, but I was like, hey, if Christina's done it for a decade, then I can do it too, right? And that's when I went on that and I never looked back. And it's been almost six years since that day. So there's my story <laughs> in a nutshell. Wow, what a journey. And to hear about all of the diets and ways of eating that you tried before, something I think a lot of people can resonate with. I know I did the same thing. I tried everything and was just miserable and gaining weight and loving the food. Right, I know. We love, we love to hear bad news or good news about our bad habits, right? It's like, well, it's okay to have coffee. It's got antioxidants in it, but, <laughs> right? Or you have these foods and then you use self-love kind of as a justification to eat it. Well, it's like, what well, I deserve it and I love myself, so I should have this. And that's not true self-love in my books. My, like Self-love is actually giving yourself health, really. So yeah, <laughs> crazy stuff. That sounds like such an awesome learning lesson along the way. What other things did you learn on your weight loss journey, on your journey to eating raw vegan? Um, I learned a lot about the mindset and shifting the way you look at stuff. For example, like if you're walking down the street and you smell like pizza or whatever, instead of smelling the pizza and wanting the pizza, I've learned to smell the pizza, enjoy that smell for what it is. And just say, well, like that smells really good, right? Or whatever, or if it's French fries or you're at the fair and you smell the smells. To me, I consider it like an air freshener. So it just smells like that. Like I don't go into someone's vehicle if they have like a vanilla cupcake air freshener. I don't sit down and be like, where are the cupcakes? I want the cupcakes, right? We just smell it and we're like, oh, that smells so good, right? It doesn't make you want to eat a cupcake. I mean, some might, but for the most part, we smell it as a nice smell. So that's how I use the smell thing. And plus, smelling the food is 80% of the enjoyment of the food. So like if you have a big burger and fries in front of you, the smell is 80% of the enjoyment. So when I walk by a restaurant and I smell it, I'm like, I just enjoyed 80% of that meal. <laughs> right? Without spending money, without hurting animals, without hurting myself, without, you know, all kinds of things. 
because cheese can smell really good for some people who are coming off cheese. They're like, oh, well, cheese so bad because they're addicted to it. So it's okay to allow the smell and not to feel guilty about it because you're not eating it. So it's, it's kind of hard to get around that mindset when you're vegan because I don't like the smell of it anymore because of I know what the connection is. But when there's a new vegan who just comes over to vegan, they might feel guilty for actually enjoying the smell of a pizza, right? And it can be really hard psychologically to deal with that. But it's like just enjoy the smell and let it go and know that you aren't harming animals at all. And you're not spending the money on that. You're not hurting yourself. You're not hurting the environment. You're making good, compassionate choices for yourself. And just because that smell kind of entered your realm doesn't mean that you have to feel guilty for actually smelling it and maybe possibly even enjoying it. So yeah, it's like a complete mental battle when it comes to all kinds of things, like even putting things off till another day. Like when I first started, I was having hard time not a hard time. I really didn't have a hard time because I was eating enough and I was eating low fat. So it was really easy, but there were days where it was like, ah, like I would love to have like a bag of chips or if I was under extreme stress that can kind of create some cravings as well. And to put it off for another day and be like, I'll have that another day and never put a date on it. Just say another time because another time will never come if you do that every time right? You're like, another time I'll have that. So it releases that restriction on yourself that you can't have certain things. It's like you can, but you'll have it another time, which may never come. So that was something too. And even like if I was having a craving, there was one night I was having this craving for Chinese food. It was like 1130. I was in bed getting ready to sleep. And there's no, like everything's closed and I'm not going to get up and go get some Chinese food. And plus I'm vegan and I'm raw and I'm not going to do that. So, but I had this craving. I was like, what do I do with it? Right? Like if they're going to happen, cravings never go away. You just learn how to control them over the years. And so I'm laying there and I'm like, I'm just going to imagine it, like ha play a movie in my head. So I laid there. And I imagine getting in the car, driving to my favorite place, standing in line and you know, like it's all fresh. And then the girl's like putting extra on your plate, right? So it's like, oh yeah, I'm getting the extra treatment. And then I pay for it. And I did like every detail. I would like feel the money that I was giving to the lady. I would feel the tray, like pick up the tray and walk to the table. I'd sit down and I would feel the way the food was in the fork how it was in my mouth, the textures, the flavors, the smells, how I was feeling in my body, in my mind and everything. Like I played it to a T. And then after about four or five bites, my brain was like, okay, I'm done. And then I'd be like onto thinking about the laundry or what I had to do for work tomorrow. And then I was like, oh yeah, I was thinking about the Chinese food and I didn't want it anymore. It was so cool because it was like my brain just wanted that satisfaction of eating it, even though I didn't actually eat it. Because when we watch a scary movie, our body physically reacts. When we watch a love story, our body physically reacts as if we were in that position. So if you imagine eating it, sometimes that's enough for the brain to be like, okay, I had my fill because it's really only the first couple bites that are really good anyway. <laughs> right? And then the rest is like, why am I even eating this? Mm -hmm. So that I found was a really cool thing that I learned about myself too. And I also learned your emotions are way more available when you're raw, when you're not numbing yourself with cooked food or junk food. There's like so many more emotions to feel. And 
not only are you numbing the bad emotions when you are eating junk food and stuff like that, but you're also numbing the good emotions. You don't feel them as intensely as you do when you're on raw. Yeah, you feel the bad stuff pretty intense if there is bad stuff, but you also feel the good stuff really intensely too. So I feel like just my emotions have become a lot more noticeable and intense. And it's like, I really feel like I'm living life now because I'm not eating the cooked food. And the cooked food never brought me joy. I had to bring myself joy through treating myself properly to find joy in life. So those are just some things that I, <laughs> I learned. I like to talk, so this might be a little while. <laughs> no, those are such beautiful offerings that you just shared. I love the analogy that the smells are like air fresheners. I once saw someone go up to a actually like a dessert, a cupcake or a brownie, take a snip and go, that was good and walked away. So that totally reminded me of that. And also the power of imagination, going through the whole scenario, feeling the joy from that and then letting it go moving on or just saying another day. Those are just awesome tips and tricks that we can use when a craving arrives because they do. Yeah, they do. And a lot of people might feel like that's restrictive behavior. Like it's like, oh, well, they have an eating disorder because they're imagining eating the food. But it's like, I consider the eating disorder eating the food because it's like, it doesn't do me any good other than giving me dopamine that gets me high, really, and giving me that numbing that I'm looking for, the comfort. When I could find the comfort in my friends, my family, you know, meditating or spending time in nature, taking a nap, going for a workout. Like I find comfort in those things now, which all improve my life. Whereas if I eat the cooked food, that's not serving me. All it is, is like kind of like a stimulant or, I mean, some people could even consider it a drug because you go to a restaurant sometimes and you see everybody around eating burgers and fries and you're like, everybody here is just getting high. They're getting big dopamine hits and it feels good. Of course it feels good. But when you release it and you say, no, I'm okay just smelling it or imagining it or whatever, people are like, oh, well, that sounds very restrictive, but it's not. It's very freeing actually, because you don't have to be a slave to your taste buds or the dopamine hit. You're like, I'm free from that. I don't need that to feel happy and to feel abundant and eat healthfully. I don't need that kind of stuff. So it's, it's different, you know, when you're talking to people who want to be eating those foods, they will find ways to justify it or to be like, oh, well, that's an eating disorder to restrict it. But it's really, it's not the restricting or the abstinence because I practice complete abstinence. My favorite quote is complete abstinence is easier than perfect moderation because perfect moderation doesn't exist. There's no such thing as perfect, like what's perfect moderation? No one knows. Like what's moderate for me might not be moderate for you, might not be moderate for someone else. Like it's all subjective. So there's no such thing as perfect moderation and no one can keep things in moderation properly. So complete abstinence, saying no to everything is easy. It's easy because you're like, no, I don't need it. That's not something I choose to eat. But it's the, it's the choice. So I just did a video about this for YouTube and it's one of my favorite new kind of like epiphanies that I've thought about recently. I see a lot of people when they're coming out of food addictions or restrictive eating patterns, they feel like they need to eat the burger and the fries to feel okay with that food, right? Because they demonized it so much in the past. They're like, well, no, I need to eat it 
to be okay with it. But you don't actually need to eat it to be okay with it. It's all up here. You just have to be okay with the choice of eating it. Allowing yourself the choice to eat it. Like you could eat it if you want to, but you choose to eat healthy foods because that's how you feel good, right? You don't have to limit yourself, like releasing those limits off yourself and just having the choice. Like I could eat anything I want. I could eat potato chips and donuts and muffins and whatever. Like I could eat whatever I want, but I choose raw food at every meal because that's what I feel my best eating. So lifting those restrictions has brought so much freedom to my life because I don't live in the label. People are like, oh, well, you're a raw vegan. You can't have this and you can't have that and you can't have this. It's like, well, no, I eat a raw vegan diet because that's what I choose to eat. I am not a raw vegan as my identity. And it's not that I can't have this and I can't have that and I can't have this. It's that I choose raw. So that was kind of like an epiphany that I came across recently that I've been sharing a lot of. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. The power is in the choice and that in itself is empowering and freeing just like you were saying yeah cool it puts you in control of the food and you in control of your choices instead of the food totally i was wondering if you could go into some more detail about your weight loss journey specifically was it easy to stick with raw foods did you find any struggles along the way? What kept you motivated? How much weight did you lose? We're all curious to know. Ah! <laughs> so I lost 70 pounds and that happened over about 14 months was the weight loss. But when I went raw, I wasn't doing it for weight loss. I was doing it because I had the heart palpitations, the acne, I felt like crap. It, like my life just sucked. <laughs> I was like, ugh. Like I just did, I couldn't even get up in the morning. I was like, why right and the only thing that drove me to get out of bed was the fact that I have a bag of chips in the cupboard or I had a fresh energy drink was ready to be opened and that was what excited me to get up, up out of bed which was really sad and I feel like the weight loss as a focus had not even been part of the equation until I have already lost maybe 20 or 30 pounds. Like I wasn't even really keeping track. The pictures I have, my before pictures, I don't even, like I know I was around 187 in those pictures because I would always weigh myself and then start again, right? And take my before pictures. So I have a lot of before pictures, but I don't have any before pictures like literally the day I went raw. I never did before pictures. I didn't weigh myself. I just went raw because it was so much more than weight loss. Like I wasn't even thinking about it. It was the resonance of the diet, the healing, the hydration, the beauty, the simplicity. I was motivated and excited for so many other reasons. And I kind of knew like in the back of my mind that I would lose weight because you know, it's I'm not eating all this junk food. So obviously I'm going to, but I really wasn't concerned with it. So after about 20 to 30 pound weight loss in around January ish, I went to Mexico for a friend's wedding. And I remember taking a photograph in my bikini in the washroom and I was like surprised, honestly, because I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I felt like cause I already lost 30 pounds. I still had 40 to go, but I was feeling so good. And there was like the two days that I was there, I did eat some cooked food in Mexico because that I did eat also cooked food on my birthday in 2014. I did a vegan cooked meal 
at a restaurant because I wanted to test out a raw till four day. This was before I was online, before I was raw food romance or anything like that. I was just kind of playing the waters. And I tried a raw till four day at the restaurant and I was like, nope. <laughs> no, no, I know I'm like severely addicted to potatoes because all I wanted the next day was potatoes. And I felt like that rock in my stomach. I was super lethargic after, like felt like bleh. I just wanted to go to bed. Um, and it was oil free, but it was just cooked. My ex and I split the meal and we couldn't even finish it. I felt so heavy eating that food. I was like, nah, I'm not interested in raw till four. So that was the only day that I did that. And then in Mexico, I did have some steamed zucchini and boiled potatoes or whatever they had there because they had all of the salads they had had animal products in them. And I was like, well, if I'm gonna do something, and I was so hungry. Looking back now, like if it was me now today in that moment, I would have went, I would have marched right into the kitchen and be like, where's the raw food? Give it to me. <laughs> because I'm so much more confident now, but those were the only three times that I ate cooked food was twice in Mexico and once on my birthday before. It was only like three months in or so. And then ever since then, no cooked food, I haven't had any, and it's just been wonderful. So the weight loss, I found that like once I got to about 140-ish, 140 pounds, so I was about 10 pounds from my goal weight, give or take, I found that I went through a plateau. And I don't know why, I didn't exercise a lot the whole time I lost weight, and I really don't exercise a lot now. Like, I'll, I'll go through like exercise binges where I'll work out every day for like a week or two, and then I won't do it for a month. <laughs> or I'll go for hikes, like I'm active, but I'm not like workout oriented or scheduled. So I didn't do a ton of exercise. Sometimes I do squats in the bathroom or leg raises while I was watching TV or whatever, but not a lot of stuff. But I found that I went through a plateau, and it was about two months where I didn't really lose any weight. I wasn't really tracking a lot either, but I didn't lose any extra weight. And then all of a sudden, I didn't change my diet, didn't add exercise or whatever. All of a sudden I lost like 15 pounds instantly. Not instantly, but it was like over about a month. Like it just started losing weight again. And I was like, that was really interesting. I don't know why that happened to my body. Maybe my body was busy dealing with something else during those two months and I wasn't losing any weight or what, but I hadn't changed my diet. I was still eating the same stuff. I was same amount of calories and I was eating 2,100 to 2,300 calories a day while I was losing weight. Some people are like, oh my gosh, that's so many calories. I could never eat that. I'd gain weight. But the thing is, is that I was eating low fat. And when you eat low fat, your body actually burns the sugar that you're eating. So you can eat more calories and not suffer like the extra excess weight gain. But if those 2,300 calories were high fat, yeah, I would have gained weight because it's the fat percentage that makes the biggest difference. And then after I'd lost all my weight, my ex and I went through a divorce where I was like under a, an extreme amount of stress and I had lost even more weight. I went all the way down to 108 pounds, which was way too small for my frame. After the whole split and everything was done, I was like getting back. I never ate cooked food during the whole time, by the way. <laughs> I was, it was very stressful and I did have cravings, but I was like, no, I gotta stick to this because my idea was that even though I was going through stress, I had to treat my body with respect so that when the stress was gone, I didn't have to fix everything that I did during my stressful time, right? I was like, I want to come out of this ahead of the game. I don't want to have to lose 20 pounds just because of the stress. I don't want to have to go through that. So I was like, I'm going to stay raw. I wasn't eating a lot because of the stress. I was so stressed out that I was losing weight too fast. 
And after I started eating normally again, I was eating the same thing that I was eating before, but I wasn't gaining any weight. So I increased my calories. I wasn't gaining any weight. So I had to increase my fat percentage. Once I increased my fat percentage, I was just eating more nuts, more avocados at night and stuff. Actually, I wasn't eating avocados back then, but I was eating more nuts and a lot more seeds. And I gained up to about 120. So I had gained weight just simply by increasing my fat percentage. It was incredible to witness that difference. So yeah, and I've maintained my weight fairly close to my goal weight since all of that. There are times where I fluctuate slightly because Nate and I overindulge in avocados, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it, we know what happens when we eat too high fat. And I shared that in April, about two years ago, we went for a road trip and we were eating a lot of like nut based dressings and a lot of avocados. And we had both gained a little bit of weight while we were on there. And I shared the before and after pictures. Cause once I went back to Canada, we were long distance relationship from Canada. And I'd go back to Canada and go back to eating low fat, you know, regular stuff. And I'd lose the weight. And I shared that picture and there were people who were disappointed that I had gained weight. I'm like, but I'm a human being. Like, <laughs> just because I'm eating more avocados, like, oh my gosh, sorry, I gained five pounds. But <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a really interesting, like being on social media and sharing the things that I share, how it affects the people who are following me. Like, it's, it's just really interesting. But I maintain my weight fairly close. There are fluctuations that happen here and there, but we're human, right? <laughs> Stay the same weight the entire life, right? Uh, but I do want to gain muscle and Nate and I, before the whole virus thing happened, we were pretty regular at the gym and I was really excited because I'm like, maybe I finally have a routine, coronavirus. All right, I'm just going to lay in my pajamas and edit videos. <laughs> So yeah, but that's my, my weight loss journey. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And you mentioned that the key was low fat. Mm -hmm. How do you keep low fat interesting? Like, are you just eating bowls of lettuce for dinner? How do you make it delicious? Oh my gosh. I love my salads. And if people follow me, they know I love my salads. I get a lot of people message and they'll say like, why don't you share a lot of fruit? Like you don't eat a lot of fruit. I, and I'm like, I do eat a lot of fruit, but a picture of the smoothie, I feel like I, I'm going to take a picture of my smoothie and share the same thing I eat every morning, like <laughs> bananas, dates, berries, you know, uh, but the salads can be really interesting. And that's why I like to focus on sharing the salads on Instagram because Fruit's easy. Smoothies are easy. You could just grab it and eat it. It's easy. But salads are kind of an art, really. You need a good dressing. You need a dressing that has all the areas. Like you need a spice. You need like grounding flavor. You need a sour, maybe a tart or, you know, like there's so, so many different ways and you need a sweet as well. So when I started eating bigger salads i needed like really awesome recipes and i tried a couple and there's some good ones that are really simple like you just blend a mango and a tomato with maybe some dill or whatever it's good but it's not like good it doesn't have this body to it or this edge to it that a lot of us are used to from getting the packaged foods we like that concentrated salt and sugar and sometimes oils 
But because I don't use any oils in any of my recipes, it's like, how do I emulsify it? How do I make it creamy without, you know, nuts and stuff? But I do use nuts. The thing is, you can eat fats when you're eating low fat and you should eat fats when you're eating low fat, but you need to eat them in appropriate amounts. So just adding like maybe even two tablespoons of sesame seeds to a dressing makes a huge difference in the creaminess right? Tahini, for example, you could even add like just a little shot glass of cashews and you make fat-free dressing into a creamy dressing. It's really easy to do that and you don't need a lot. The nuts and seeds that I eat are only in my dressing. So if I'm going to do nuts and seeds, they're in dressings. I don't snack on them like most people do. The reason being is that A, they're super high fat, so they imbalance your fat percentage. But B, I've also read that they create like an acidity in your mouth, which can erode your teeth which is very interesting because people think it's the sugar that erodes the teeth, right? But it's not sugar itself that erodes the teeth. The sugar feeds the bacteria and the bacteria produce an acidic byproduct and that's what rots your teeth. So acidic saliva and acidity in the mouth is what's causing tooth decay. So rinse your mouth out after eating fruit or after eating any meal for that matter, rinsing your mouth out to get that sugar out really helps. But the nuts and seeds on like just on an empty stomach create that acidity as well. They did this thing where they, they put a tooth in a cup of sugar water and nothing happened. So it's not the sugar, it's the acidity that's causing those issues. And I don't know why I went off on the rant, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what we were talking about now. <laughs> about low fat, but I think oh, that's low fat, yes. A good piece of advice because it's such commonly held belief that sugar is the culprit for tooth decay and for weight gain. So that was much appreciated. Excellent. No worries. Yeah, people are scared to eat the sugar. And so many people are like, oh, you, like that's too much sugar. I'm like, well, but my body burns that sugar because fat's not in the way. Fat, what fat does is fat blocks the insulin receptors. So insulin can't get sugar into your cell, which is where you burn it. So if the insulin's not working properly because fat's in the way, then the sugar is either stored as fat or it's food for your yeast and parasites because it sits in your bloodstream. And then your body is like, there's still sugar in the bloodstream. So it sends more insulin and you become insulin resistant and that's pre-diabetic. So the fat is really the true cause of that. And again, we need fat. We do need it. We just eat way too many and it should be around, I think low fat is around the five to 20% range. Because everyone's different. I do really good at 8%. That's my absolute favorite percentage for fat, but I'm also eating 2,400 calories a day. So 8% is a decent amount of fat. It's like maybe half an avocado and a couple tablespoons of chia seeds or what have you. So it's a decent amount, a quarter cup of hemp seeds. That's about, it's about eight to 10% of my calories when I'm eating 2,400 calories. But if you're eating 1200 calories, 8% is like nothing, right? So it's it, the percentage and you want to make sure you're eating a lot so that your percentage is a decent amount. Half an avocado compared to a quarter of an avocado is a lot of fat when you're not eating a lot of it. So yeah, it's very important to stay low fat. Do you feel a difference when you are toward the higher range, like 20% versus when you are eating a day of about 5% calories from fat, what do you notice in your body or in your experience? Overall, generally, people will feel more lethargic, like they just feel tired. They're like, 
like heavy like if they sigh a lot or they need to lay on the couch they might nap more when you're eating higher fat just because it's it's just more for the body to digest you're you, you're spending way more energy doing that and the high fat because it blocks the insulin from getting the sugar into your cells you're not getting that energy so you feel tired because the fat's blocking the energy from getting into your cells. So when you eat higher fat, you do tend to feel a little bit more lethargic. Your digestion slows a little bit. I notice that I have more cravings. The more fat I eat, the more fat I crave. It's kind of like a stimulant <laughs> in a way. It's like all I want is fatty. Like if I make a raw cashew cheese or something like that and I eat one bite, it's like you like want more and more and more because the, the higher density foods, like the really heavy, heavy foods, especially with oils, animal products, they produce a really high amount of dopamine. That's that hormone that kind of makes you feel euphoric. And nature put it in us because we get high amounts of dopamine when we have sex and when we eat. And those are two things that are necessary for the survival of the species. If we didn't get a big dopamine hit when we ate dense calories or a big dopamine hit when we had sex, we wouldn't do it. It's part of that enjoyment of food, right? So you still get dopamine when you eat raw food, you just get less than you're used to. So a lot of people coming from junk food and animal products are used to having heavy, heavy doses of dopamine in their meals. And they feel just like, you know, after Thanksgiving, that's a typical example. Thanksgiving dinner, people are just like, oh, I could sleep, you know, and then everyone's like, oh, it's the tryptophan and the turkey. But it's not necessarily that. It's the fat and a lot of the processed foods, too, that people eat, you know, the chocolates and the alcohol and everything else. It's just causing a huge amount of dopamine. You feel euphoric in this celebrative state. And then you're just like, I could just go to sleep after dinner. I just want to sit on the couch and watch the game or whatever, right? So we get this hit of dopamine. I find that people who are eating higher fat tend to have higher dopamine reactions and it triggers you to want more of that dopamine. So it's easy to get cravings when you eat higher fat and you can't really eat a huge salad when you eat high fat. Like if Nate and I have a really higher fat dressing, like a cashew base, dressing or even not necessarily avocado isn't so bad, but I would say nuts heavy on the tahini and cashews or almonds, for example. If we have one of those dressings on our salad, it's hard to finish a typical salad. But if we use a lower fat dressing like the sweet maple mustard with just chia seeds in it or even no fat at all, we can eat the whole salad no problem. It's really easy to get that whole salad in, but it's the higher fat dressings that make it really hard to eat that volume because it fills you up so fast. Your brain is like, whoa, there's a lot of density in the stomach. We don't need to eat anymore because we have to deal with what's in there. So definitely notice a lot of things when I eat higher fat. If you eat higher fat over a longer period of time, I gain weight. It's inevitable. Plus, because I've lost 70 pounds, your fat cells don't ever go away or shrink. Like if you gain a lot of weight, those fat cells become bigger, right? And then when you lose weight, they don't shrink. They actually just deflate. So it's like, instead of moving from a 400 square foot storage unit, because you got rid of a lot of your junk, you just have the small amount of junk in your 400 square foot unit. You don't downgrade to like a 100 square foot unit. You stick with that 400 square foot unit. It's just, you've got all this extra space, right? That's not full of stuff. So it's really easy to gain weight when you have that storage unit. Like you're like, oh, well, I have a 400 square foot storage unit. We could put that in there and that in there and that in there. But if you downgraded, 
to a 100 square foot, you wouldn't have the room, so you wouldn't store it, right, as easily as you would if you already had the space. And that's kind of an analogy of what the body is like. If you lose a lot of weight, then it's going to be really easy to gain that weight back. And we see that countless times in the weight loss industry, people gain weight back so fast because they have the storage capacity for it. So I find that if I do start eating higher fat here and there, I can gain weight very easily. So I have to keep it at that appropriate amount of fat. And that's how I feel my best anyways. Like, it's like, it's not about the weight loss. It's about how I feel. And I feel my best when I'm at 8% because I don't feel that lethargy, the cravings, the tiredness, the digestive issues, the dopamine hit and all that. So that's why I prefer 8%. But again, everyone's going to be different. It depends on your activity levels, if you're pregnant, if you're older, what have you. But yeah, you'll find your own special balance in there somewhere. So it's really important to eat low fat when you want high energy to feel thriving, to lose weight, and to maintain your comfortable weight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then once I lost all my weight, because I was eating 2,100 to 2,300 calories a day, when I got to my goal weight, I actually increased my calories to a minimum of 2,400 a day to maintain because I didn't want to keep losing weight, even though I did during the divorce, but I actually increased it to 2,400 because that was my maintenance amount. And everyone's going to be different. I'm 5'5", five five, for people who are listening who are wondering. I'm 5'5", five five, and right now I'm around 125 pounds, give or take. But when I had originally lost all my weight, I was 117. That was my ideal weight. That's where I really liked it. And it really took 2,400 calories a day to maintain that easily very easily. I was eating a lot of food. I was eating abundantly. I was feeling great. And I didn't have to worry about gaining weight or anything, but it was when the fat percentage and stress comes into play. And again, we're all human. So <laughs> it just depends on that aspect, but yeah, low fat is key. Low fat and keeping salads interesting and also enjoying all the fruit, all good advice. What is your favorite meal right now, if you have a go-to? A hundred percent, the ramen. The ramen that I make is like, oh, it's just so good. I should actually make it tonight. <laughs> so the ramen is one of my recipes. It can be found in Meal Plan Volume 2. I created this one because actually I was marinating some mushrooms for a marinara sauce. And I was going to make like, you know, basic pasta, but I was using the zucchini noodles. And I was going to make tomato marinara and pour it with the mushrooms and then put it on my cucumber noodles that night. But I had made a different kind of a marinade and this was the, my ramen marinade and I made it and I marinated the mushrooms and onions and I had some red bell pepper in there and some broccoli because I wanted to be a real chunky marinara. So I had put those in the dehydrator and they were marinating and it smelled so good in the house because of the dehydrator, all of the smells were in the house. And so I started eating the mushrooms right out of the dehydrator and, the, and everything. And I was eating like half of it because it was so good. I couldn't believe it. And then I was like, I don't know if I want to ruin this flavor with a marinara. So I actually just spiralized the cucumbers because I, I prefer cucumber noodles over zucchini noodles, even though they're both good. I just prefer the cucumber. So I spiralized some cucumber noodles. And I just put the dehydrated marinated mushrooms and veggies right on top of the noodles and I mixed it up. And then 
because there's a little sodium in it, I use coconut aminos for that recipe. So there's some salt. The salt actually pulls water out of the cucumber noodles or zucchini noodles and it gets watery, right? So it became kind of like a soup. It was like ramen soup and I'm eating it. And I'm like, this tastes like ramen. And I was almost crying when I made it. I was like, this is so good. So that recipe went in meal plan too. And that's probably one of my most favorite. Like if I was only to choose one meal, that's probably what I would make would be the ramen. But there's so many dressings that I love. Like we made the uh, dill pickly cashew based dressing for kale chips. We like the spicy ginger almond. And for fat free ones, I really, really, really love the sweet maple mustard. That one is so good. And I made a new one that's coming out in a new book. I'm making a book about burgers. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Robbing and burgers. And I call this dressing the ballpark dressing because it tastes like a mix of mustard and ketchup. So good. And then always the classic French dressing. That's something that I ate almost every day during my weight loss. I was using the French dressing. It's like six dates, juice of a lemon, a little apple cider vinegar, garlic, and smoked paprika. And then some hot chipotle if you want to put, add extra heat to it. But that is my dressing with a little water blended. It takes like a minute to make and I pour that on my dressing. Now I, I like to add chia to it to get a little bit of the omega-3s. And yeah, there's the Greek dressing we really like. Marinara's again are so good, but curries as well. We make a lot of cool creamy curry, like the butterless chickenless. It's funny because sometimes we'll be eating a salad and be like, this is so good. Even the smoky tomato tahini, we had that two days in a row and we have some dressing in the fridge for today's lunch. So it's like three days in a row we had the same dressing because it's so good. And we'll be like, taste like, even if we make Greek or French or smoky tomato or mustard or whatever, we're like, this is the best dressing ever. Like every meal, we're like, who says that, right? Like who has awesome dressings at every meal that they're just like in love with their salads. So we have a fun time with it and there's always something good to eat, especially the burgers. Those are pretty fun. <laughs> Mm, yeah, it's so cool to hear you get so excited about all your recipes and the dressings. It sounds like I could get a lot of dopamine from eating that salad, <laughs> just as much as, if not more than eating a cooked meal. So it's really, really easy to keep raw vegan eating interesting and delicious while also nourishing, healing, and losing weight in the process. Yeah, it's pretty fun. We have a lot of fun creating recipes. And then there's always nice cream too. Nate's coming out with a nice cream book. Nice cream is like, it's the default, right? If we're like, maybe we went hiking for a long time and we come home and we want to make dinner, but we're like not really into making dinner. We're like, you want to do nice cream? Sure, we'll do nice cream. <laughs> like, a, like, you know, 700 calories of nice cream for dinner. That's happened. <laughs> They always have room for nice cream. <laughs> Absolutely. Dessert for dinner. Yep, 100%. <laughs> awesome. You've provided so much good information. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story, all the tips and tricks, visualization, enjoying the smells of food without having to eat them, and also just really, really loving life and loving all that is in raw plant foods. Before we head out, do you have any parting words of wisdom or inspiration you'd like to share with us? Well, I always like to end with take care of yourself first. Because when you're in an airplane 
and they tell you like when the oxygen masks fall down if there's an emergency put yours on first before you help other people because you can't help other people when you're struggling yourself so it's so important to feed yourself properly so that you can in turn help others you can be so much more of a help to your family and friends and those around you when you yourself are fueled up when you're healthy when you're feeling good if you're tired or lethargic because you're eating junk food and you're not really taking care of yourself and you're using self-love as a justification to eat pizza, then you're not going to be able to give your best self to those around you. Because so many people want to give themselves, like they, they have children, they have spouses, they have family that they're taking care of, they have friends that they're taking care of maybe. And they're giving, 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 but they're not giving back to themselves. And the only reason that we're here on this planet is this body. The only reason that people are listening to this right now is because they have ears on a body. They're living in this body right here. And it's so important to take care of it. We've been gifted a gazillion dollar, priceless really, machine. A lot of people treat their vehicles better than they treat their own bodies. Right? Like our souls are driving these bodies and we're not treating them with respect. We need to treat them with respect and all the justifications and excuses that we come up to eat pizza. We know that fuel is not fuel for the human body. Everybody knows this. We just come up with all these justifications to do that, but we need to focus on healing ourselves being the best version of ourselves, not feeling guilty if you have a craving or whatever, just figure out what the root of that craving is. Most of the time it's stress, it's boredom, it's hunger. Hunger is the number one reason why people crave because they're under eating, they're not eating properly. So they're gonna feel hunger. But a lot of that is some kind of root that you can find and pinpoint and then figure out how to deal with that root instead of using food for it. For example, if you're stressed out, figure out why you're stressed. Can you talk to somebody about it? Can you resolve a situation with somebody? If you're stressed from work, maybe unwind, go for a walk or like, there's so many things that you can do, but you have to find that root cause as to why. And I'm actually writing a book called Checkmate Your Cravings, which talks a lot about this kind of stuff, little mindset tricks and everything. So hopefully that'll be done in the next month and people can get that. It's going to be a free download and then $7 for the audio version. Hopefully that'll be done soon. But yeah, my parting words are to make sure you take care of you because you are the one that are take, you know, is taking care of other people as well. And it's just a ripple effect. We can all help each other if we help ourselves. Such wise words from Lissa. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to be on this interview, for sharing all of your wisdom and your story. Be sure to check out her recipe books and her Check Your Cravings book coming out soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so much appreciated. Uh, thank you so much for asking me to be on the podcast. I'm excited to share it with everybody when you're done. It's going to be awesome. I just love sharing. It's, it's wonderful. And thank you so much for having this platform to share and inspire with others because we need all the healthy vegans that we can get to help inspire and share and help other people to make better choices as well. Absolutely, we're wishing everyone a happy, healthy, and dynamic day.